There was a Christian man who went to God and asked him a question. God, is it true that a thousand years is like a one second to you? And God answers, yeah, a thousand years is like one second to me. And not only that, a million dollars is like a dollar to me. And this man thinks for a minute and says, well, then God, can you give me a million dollars? It's only like a dollar to you, right? And God goes like, sure, not a problem. Just wait one second. (laughs) Have you ever thought, have you ever felt that God isn't on the job? You're asking God for something, but it seems like God is not listening to you. That story that I just shared, it's just a story, but we sometimes feel like God is really, really slow in answering us, or sometimes he doesn't answer. It seems like he's nowhere to answer us at all. And we'll study the story of 2 Kings chapter 4. This is a well-known story, but we'll dive into the story and, and find what God wants to tell us today. 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7, it says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars as each is filled. Put it to one side. She left them and afterward shut the door after her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil, pay your debt, you and your sons can live on what is left. It's a very popular story and well-known story, but we'll, we'll find out if there's any deeper meaning to it and if there's anything that we can learn from it. In verse 1, the Bible says, She cried out. The word cried out in Hebrew is zaka, zaka here. And this word is a very common word in Hebrew Bible, but it's found in, in some instances. And I will tell you what, what this, this word really means. The first time this word is used in Genesis 27.3, Esau and Jacob, after Jacob deceives his brother and, and steals the birthright, and Esau cries out, saying that he, he's weeping and said, you took my blessing after, after Jacob comes and steals the blessing from his father. And Esau goes to his father and cries out, saying that my, my brother stole my blessing. This word, zakah, is used. Exodus 11, after all the firstborn sons were killed and there was a loud wailing that then this word is used cried out or wailing loud wailing Deuteronomy 22 24 if there is a uh, engaged woman and a man comes to attack her she's supposed to cry out the ka 
is used so that she would be saved. 2 Kings 6, 26. And the army of Aram came and seized the, the, the city of Samaria. And the story goes, there is a famine, there is not enough food, and they were searching for food to the point where they were so hungry to the point where the moms would come and discuss, okay, so today we are going to cook and eat my son. Tomorrow we'll cook your son. They promised. They killed and ate one baby. The next day, she hid her son. And the first woman comes to the king and says, King, this is what happened. We cooked and ate our son yesterday. But she hit, went and hid her son. And she goes to the king and, and cries out for justice. This word, zakah, is used. Now, you tell me, is this cry kind of just a casual, like, oh, you know, just crying? This is a desperate kind of cry. This is the kind of cry that you do when someone dies, when something really, really terrible happens. You know the story. <clears throat> Her husband died, and now the creditor comes, wants to take two of her sons as slaves. And she has nowhere to turn to, and she has no other solution. There is no other way. And she comes to the prophet, Elisha, and cries out, Zakah, saying that, please help me. It's not just help, asking for help. She's just crying. Because if, if she doesn't get any help, her sons will be taken away and she'll be left alone. And we may think, who is this guy who died? He was a student of this school of the prophet that Elisha was teaching. So who is this guy? The Bible doesn't say the answer, but Josephus, who is a historian, says the same thing as Targum, who is a, what is a commentary of the Jewish people for the Old Testament. They both say the same thing. This man's name was Obadiah. Not the author of the book of Obadiah, but Obadiah of this guy. 1 Kings 18.4 While Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundreds of prophets and hidden them in two caves, 50 in each, and had supplied them with food and water. There was a guy named Obadiah who would protect the prophets of God while Jezebel was killing all the prophets. Remember the story of Elisha fighting with Jezebel and fire coming down from heaven? Elijah went and killed 850 prophets, the false prophets, and Jezebel was getting angry and wanted to kill Elisha. And that's the time and the famine of three and a half years. That's when Obadiah went and hid those people, prophets of God, and supplying them with bread and water and food. Now, question, if this Obadiah was this man who died, the husband of, of this widow, where was he getting money from? And how did he supply food for all those hundreds of people? With his own money, probably. Do you think he could have turned to uh, an, 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 an entity or a group of association or some people to get some help? No. Most likely he used his own money from his own pocket. 
So the debt that she got, the widow got at the end of his death, if this story is true, then most likely not just going for going on nice vacations or buying a nice house or buying clothes or enjoying their life, most likely the debt was from feeding the servants of God, doing God's work. So even that is even more difficult because now she needs to pay that debt, the money that's been used for God's work. Now she has to pay that money. And she comes to the prophet of God for help. And the Bible says Obadiah was what kind of man? As she said, she revered the Lord. She feared the Lord. She respected the Lord. She honored God. He honored, he honored God, the husband. But if you know the story, if you know the history, what happens in a Jewish tradition if the man dies? What happens to the widow? If she has any sons, all the assets can be inherited to the son. So therefore, she could benefit with the sons as well. But if there is nobody else left, if there are no male figures left in the family, what happens to the old house, the, the land, the asset, whatever there is left, what happens to that? It goes to her? It goes to the nearest nearest male figure in the family, in the relatives. That would be the uncle, that would be the cousin, that could whoever that may be. It goes to the nearest man. So, think with me for a moment. Her husband died. There wasn't a lot of money left because all she has left is what? A little bit of oil. Is oil an asset? It could be, but that's basically food, food. After a little bit, they will consume it and there's nothing left. I assume they live in a house. They may have some land, I, I don't know, maybe a little bit of land and some house, but if the husband dies, that will go to who? Because luckily she has two sons that would be in the house. But now if the creditors come and take two sons because the family owes them money and they have no means of paying that money back to them. I want to take your son so that they can, they can work for me so that in turn, you can't pay me, I'm going to take the boy. So then, who is left to receive whatever there is, whatever asset that is left? Inheritance. There's nothing left. Meaning, she cannot possess either the house or the land, whatever there is left after her husband's death that would go to another relative. So this is a serious matter for her. If the boys are there, then at least she can keep the assets. If the boys are gone, that's also gone as well. That's what it means. You know, funny thing, Elisha asks the question, what do you have? And she answers, I have a little jar of oil. I mean, she really, really had nothing. If somebody were to come to you and say, you know what, <clears throat> I'm going to multiply whatever you bring me from your house to a limitless measure, what would you bring? 
do you have like a, a box of like gemstones? Do you have some gold? If you have a gold bar, you can bring it and I can multiply it to like a thousand times or a million times. Oh, you would be rich, right? What if you bring cash, a hundred dollar bill? Oh yeah, that would be great. <laughs> what if you have, I don't know, something valuable? But all she could do is like, I have a little jar of oil. Are you imagining like a well-packaged, like a gift with a ribbon on it, like a, a brand new unsealed jar of oil? Is that, is that what you're imagining? I'm imagining like, like in your kitchen, a little jar of oil that's run down, maybe used most of it and just a little bit left on the bottom. That's what I'm thinking, like the, like the widow and the Elijah stories, uh, or the widow of Jerphat. That's what I'm imagining. There's a little bit of oil left in the jar that we use in the kitchen. That's what I'm thinking. But Elisha said, that's fine. Just go and borrow jars from your neighbors. Don't borrow just a little bit. Borrow a lot, as much as you can, as many jars as you can. And go inside your house, shut the doors, and do it. And he gives her the instructions. When you, if you were to hear this story, is this something natural or is it something logical? No, it's not logical at all. And you'd be thinking, you know what? Well, I appreciate what you, what you tell me, but that, that doesn't make sense at all. Why don't you just pray here right now and give me something tangible, something that I can bring it home? Can you do, can you do that? Why do you tell me something to, to go and do something crazy? If I go to my neighbors and ask for those things, they're going to think I'm crazy. And I, I don't know. I don't want to make a fool out of me. It's, can you do something easy? Could Elisha have done something a lot easier that she doesn't have to exercise her faith? Yes, she could have. And did God really need her jar of oil to show his miracle? No. But then why do you think God asked to use her faith and used her jar of oil? Why do you think God did that? First of all, God uses what you have. God doesn't just bring something out of nowhere. He usually doesn't. Remember the story of feeding, feeding 5,000? Well, God could have brought like the table of heaven and threw down a feast for the 5,000 people that were there, or maybe 20,000, who knows. But then God used what? A little boy's sack lunch. Bread and fish. A simple, like, every man's food. That's what God used. And he multiplied that and fed everyone and left the work. So God uses what there is, what is there. Now, if you bring God what you have, God can use that and multiply it. And you say, you know what, God, I don't have any talents. You know what, uh, we, have a, we have evangelistic series, we have VVS coming up, we have, we have different seminars going on. Well, I don't have any talents. I can't sing for God. I can't, well, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know how I can be of help in this evangelistic meeting or in our church and bringing people to God. Whatever you have, bring it to God and God can multiply it. That's God's job. Your job is to bring what you have. But if you don't bring what you have, God cannot do anything. 
What do you have, friends? Do you have something to bring to God? If you bring something, what you have, to God, God can use that and bring His miracle to us. I pray that you will bring what you have to God, just like this woman brought what she had to God. Now, when you feel like there is nothing else, when you feel like there is no other way out, when you see no exit, that's the time to go to the prophet. She could have gone to the creditor and say, can you please give me some more time? Can you please have mercy? She could have gone to the creditor, or she could have gone to any other relative or any, anybody else and say, you know what, I, I'm, can you help me with something? I need to pay this. I need to do something. Can you please help me? Instead, she goes to who? The prophet of God. And tells, her, tells him her story. If, if you don't see any way out, if you don't see any exit, if you are in deep trouble, you don't see any other way out, who are you supposed to turn to? Turn to the prophet of God. In other words, turn, turn to God. Do not turn to anybody else. You could turn to some other people for help. Yes, you can do that. But what you really can do is turn to God for help because God is the one who can really help you. If you turn to God, our Heavenly Father will never turn you away and He will always be there to help you. And if you need help, do not come to anybody else. Well, you can come to me and I can direct you to God. <laughs> I can pray for you, but the ultimate help is coming from God. And I pray that you will turn to God in your trouble, just like she did. Why do you think Elisha asked her to shut the doors? Shut the doors. And what does, well, she had oil, and God multiplied the oil. What does oil symbolize in the Bible? Oil in the Bible means the Holy Spirit. It's very easy, right? But why behind the closed doors? Something intimate, something miraculous, something that God wants to do with you, something amazing, something, a great blessing. It could happen in an open field like feeding of the 5,000. But a lot of times, something personal, something amazing, something great, something miraculous happens oftentimes behind the shut doors in your closet. When you have that intimate relationship with God, that's when that happens. So I'm pretty sure God wanted her and her, her sons to close the doors and experience this amazing miracle that God is about to show them. Do you have a closet where you can go in and shut the doors behind you, where you can talk to God and God can do something amazing personally? How can we do that? When you pray to God, when we seek God, God can do that to us. God can pour out the Holy Spirit to a measure where it would multiply and, and, and bless us abundantly.
And that can only happen when you go in and shut the doors behind you. And I pray that you will go to God today and ask for God to bless you. And when you do, God is going to do something amazing. And he's going to fill your heart to the measure where you cannot contain anymore. That's the promise that God is giving us today through this story. I pray that you will go to God and shut the doors behind you and ask for God to help you. You know, God is giving Holy Spirit to the people who is seeking God. If she said, you know what, I have a little bit of oil, this is enough. I don't need any more oil. And if she had any doubt, well, I don't think God can do this. I mean, this is not logical. I have all these empty jars I borrowed from my friends, but what, what's going to happen? If I pour this on here, that's, that's it. That's going to be finished, and that's it. Has she doubted? Do you think God would have performed the miracle? No. Because she had faith, she's simply following the instructions. Instead of, you know what? That doesn't make any sense at all. It's not, it's not hygienic. It's not sealed bottle. It's not sanitized. Wow, I, I can't seal it. She didn't ask questions. She just followed the instructions. And that's all it required. She only did, okay, you tell me to do that? The man of God, you're telling me to do that? Okay, it doesn't make sense at all, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyways. Let me see what God does for me. That's what she did. Because she was willing to open herself up to the mystery, to, the, to, the, to something that doesn't make sense at all. You know what? I'm going to leave it up to you. You do your part. When she did that, God blessed her and gave her oil. You know the funny thing? The oil started to pour out. And some commentators, because it doesn't make sense in human, eye, human mind, it, it, if you pour one li liquid from one bottle to the other, once that bottle is emptied, then it doesn't come out anymore. How does it happen? But with God, everything is possible. Some people think that, you know what, when the oil poured out, the air inside the jar turned into oil. And when that oil poured out again, air inside, air fills in, the air turned into oil again until God said, okay, that's enough, stop. That's what some people think. That's what we can possibly think, but I don't know how this happened. Maybe this oil multiplied inside and just never stopped. I don't know. We can ask God when you go to heaven. But interesting thing is that when the last jar is filled and she said, is there any more jar? Bring me another jar. One son is probably helping her the full jar to the side, and the other son is probably bringing the empty jars. That's why you see well, Bible says she is talking to one of her sons, bring me another jar. And he says, singular, there is no more jar. You, know, you see, like, you know, they're, they're working together. Teamwork, right? When the last jar is filled up, the oil stops. You know what that means? I like the way how the um, SD Bible commentary puts it. God can no longer give when man is no longer prepared to receive. When we are prepared to receive, 
we can receive. And there is no limit. There is no limit of how God can bless us. But when we are no longer prepared to receive, then God can no longer give. Has she prepared like large containers, like oil tanks? Has she prepared an oil, what do you call it? The oil tank, like the semi-truck size oil? Do you think God would have blessed her that much oil? Yes. If she had prepared just tiny three jars of oil jars, do you think the oil would have stopped after three jars? Yes. So it's not about, it's not about how God can bless us. It's about how big is our faith. How big our faith is determines how much blessing we can get. Not about how much God can bless us. God has a limited source. A limited source. But when the bottles, it's not like God prepared the bottles for her. She was told to borrow bottles. And she said, you know what? We have 50 bottles. I think this is enough. I mean, that's enough. And when the oil stopped at 50 bottles, do you think she would have wished, you know what? Oh, man, I wish I would have borrowed 100 more bottles. <laughs> do you think she would have thought that? Yeah. That's how it is. When we are not prepared, God cannot give us more. But if we prepare more, then God is going to fill how much we have prepared. <laughs> this is interesting. When she goes to the man of God, excited, you know what, Elisha, man of God, the prophet, this is what you told me to do, and this is what I exactly did, and this is what happened. My house is full of full olive oil jars. What do I do with this now? And the man of God goes, what? It says, go sell the oil and pay your debt. You and your sons can live on what is left. Now, let me ask you a question. What was her request when, he, when she first went to the man of God? What did she ask? My sons are going to be sold as slaves because the creditors are coming and taking them. So what she's basically asking for is that, please pay the debt for me. That's what she asked for. Now, what did the man of God say afterwards? Go ahead and sell it first and then pay your debt. That's it? The Bible goes on to say, you and your sons can live on what is left. Now, when God blessed her, did God just answer her request and that was it? God blessed even more than what she asked for. That's the kind of God that we believe. Again, that was also with the measure of her faith. Had she brought, had she prepared more jars, there would have been more money left. Well, one thing for sure, that oil, however much oil that she produced that day or God blessed her with that day was enough to pay the debt so that the kids, kids don't have to go as slaves. But there was money left over so that they could make a living off of it. However more, much more money, we don't know. That all depends on how much, how, many, how much faith she had, how many bottles she borrowed. So friends, 
Do you have bottles that you can prepare to receive the blessing of the Holy Spirit? Can you prepare the bottles? How big is your bottle? Like one ounce? <laughs> one gallon? Or would it be as big as this building? Or just, just imagine a number or imagine a size of a bottle that you can prepare for God so that God can pour the blessing from heaven and pour it onto you. For her, it was a physical death them, and it was a physical kind of blessing. For us, it is not only physical, but it's also spiritual blessing as well. For us to be blessed by God, God is waiting to give us, just like the story that we shared. God has no limit. He can give us however much He wants, but He can only give us to the measure that we, our faith, can measure up to. How big is your faith? I pray that we would have great faith so that God can bless us. In closing, <clears throat> cry out in your desperation. Go to the prophet of God. Go to God. If you think you are in trouble, go to God. Number two, obey God's word. Obey first before you question or deny. If God tells you something, if the Bible tells you something, obey. Listen to him without questioning. Then God will answer you. Shut the doors behind you and ask for the oil of the Holy Spirit. Would you go prepare your jar and ask for the Holy Spirit behind the shut doors? Or would you lend your jar to someone else and have them experience something? Use your utility, lend it to someone, and have them experience that great experience. Or would you do it yourself? Would you go shut the doors behind you and pray and experience the miracle that God can give us today? Or would you, would you watch, witness someone else shut the doors behind them and pray and receive the blessing and miracle? That's your choice. Would you prepare the bottle, the jars yourself? Would you lend your jar to somebody else? What would you do? And I pray that we all will do these three steps crying out in our desperation, obeying God's word without denying, without questioning, and shut the doors and experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Who wants to do that? And I pray that all of us will experience this experience so that we experience the power of God multiplying in us and filling us with the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Thank you for the story that you have given through this widow, the story of Elisha. For oftentimes, in our desperation, we turn to our bank account, we turn to counselors, we turn to doctors, we turn to our friends, we turn to other sources, but Lord, we forget to turn to God. So Lord, we pray that you would remind us that we need to turn to God, we need to pray to you in our desperation, in our zakah moment. Lord, also help us to obey you no matter what. Help us not to question God, but help us to listen to you and obey you when you give us instructions. And also help us to shut our doors behind ourselves and help us to pray to you. Help us, help us to go to God when we do. Please fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to prepare our jars. Help us to expand our faith. Help us to grow our faith so that our faith will be able to 
contain and hold the Holy Spirit that you want to pour out from the storehouse of heaven. Bless each and every one of us in this room so they will experience this faith today. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise.